0: Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers, so next time you're at your local retailer, look for Coast of Maine products. Get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you, coastofmaine.com. If you've been paying attention, you've likely heard something about gut health and why zoning in on your gut health is so darn important. Improved skin, and here's the big one, reduced bloating. Head to myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and so much more. That's myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you are listening to episode 133 of the Sustainable Minimalist podcast. Imagine a world in which you can buy very, very little. Sounds crazy, right? Sounds like a pipe dream. This world already exists, and its wonder comes to us in the form of the gift economy. A gift economy is one that focuses on relationships, Not personal gain and not profit. Gift economies have been around since the beginning of humans, but in more recent centuries, gift economies have been replaced with market ones, at least here in the United States. And while market economies tend to be quite impersonal, gift economies foster social bonds and trust. There are plenty of environmental benefits to gift economies too. The most notable, of course, is that they prevent new items from entering the waste stream while also diverting perfectly usable items from landfills. My guest today is Jennifer Lansdowne. Jennifer is on the show to discuss the ins and outs of gifting economies while also discussing her extensive volunteer experience with perhaps the most well-known gifting platform of all, the Buy Nothing Project. Enjoy the interview. Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on the show to talk all about gift economies. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. It's so weird to hear you in person instead of just on my podcast. You know, everybody says that. You're not the first person to say that it's really weird to
0: hear me (laughs) on the podcast and then talk to me in real life, but before we even talk about your roles within the bio nothing project and the benefits of gift economies i would love it if you could tell
1: us who you are and what you do so i am a mom first and foremost as are many of us and i decided to stay home with my children and in the process of doing that i found that a lot of the things in my life needed to change for various reasons, either to be more present with them or just to give them a better world. And so I've kind of been on a search since I figured out that my first career wasn't going to work out for me <laughs> for another career and way that I could help. And gifting economies have been at the heart of why I do what I do. And I try to figure out how I can help other people through them. Let's just get
0: right into the gift economy. It's been around since the beginning of humans, (laughs) but I think a lot of people, especially people who are so accustomed to living in a capitalist society that is heavily focused on consumerism and more importantly on consuming new things, the concept of there being this amazing thing called a gift economy where you can spend no money on things you need is just a completely foreign idea. So why don't we start there? Tell us
1: what, in your view, is a gift economy? It's an economy in which everything has equal value. So time or a button or uh, an old plate that you broke and somebody wants to use from mosaics are equally valued. So it takes away a lot of the capitalist, this thing has this much value. And replaces it with, everything has value to someone. And if it doesn't have value to me in this phase in my life right now, then I can give it to somebody else, um, which extends the life of the item, even if it's a broken plate turned into mosaic. And it also shows that we personally don't have to have money or many items. Like We have gifts that we can give to each other in the form of time or knowledge or a kid that wants to play with your kid, and that we all have something of value to share within our communities. Hmm.
0: I think that, of course, the first benefit of gifting that comes to mind is saved money. But there are countless benefits to this form of transaction, the gifting of things. What, in your view, are some of the biggest benefits of gift economies?
1: I think for sustainability reasons, not having to buy something new, but extending the life of items is huge. It also, to me, speaks to being able to find what you need and what you don't. And being able to let go of the things that you don't need, because you know if you do need them, your community could provide them. Or sharing things. We don't all need a lawnmower. We don't all need a waffle maker but we're not set up in our system to share those things with our neighbors or our family even sometimes. So there isn't as much need for items, mass items to be produced in a new system if we're sharing the things that we already have.
0: The probably most well-known gifting platform that's out there currently is the Buy Nothing Project, right? I believe there are over 1.2 million participants in at least 25 countries. That comes right off the Buy Nothing Project's website. But explain to somebody who has no idea what the Buy Nothing Project is, maybe doesn't have a chapter near them, what is it? And is it more than just putting the stuff you don't want on the curb for somebody else to take? Is it more than just decluttering your
1: stuff? It is. It is a group or it's not even really an organization. We say that it's a movement started by friends and it's totally volunteer run. There is no formal organization. So it's just people doing things to help other people. Um, So the way that it's different from other gifting groups is that the focus is on community. So we recommend that a Facebook group, which is where it's located, um, has no more than a thousand members Not to say that all are going to follow that recommendation, but we've found that if you keep the groups relatively small, then you can keep that feeling of community. We encourage people to say why they're giving an item away or why they would like an item so that we learn more about our neighbors. We encourage people to meet up in person to gift items so that it's not just me giving you a laundry basket, but we have a shared conversation. These are people, because they're in your very, very hyper local community that you're going to see when you're at the grocery store or at your kids' school event. And so we want to help make a spider web of connections between all of your neighbors through stuff. So the stuff is just the vehicle, it's not the end goal, although that's usually what gets people into our groups.
0: Have you made some strong connections and lasting friendships through your local chapter?
1: I have. Um, I actually moved two years ago. So the friends that I have the strongest are from that other chapter. But the chapter I'm in now, uh, one of the ladies, when I needed somebody to pick up my kids, I was like, Hey, I know you. I've been to your house. You know, would you be willing to do this for me? So there are people that when I moved into a new neighborhood, I automatically connected with people much faster than I would have otherwise, um, by meeting people through giving and gifting of stuff. That's an
0: amazing story, and it makes me think about how the gift economy is, if you want it to be, it can be a very joyous way to be eco-friendly, right? Like, There's nothing joyous about, well, maybe for some, but for most, there's nothing joyous about bringing reusable shopping bags to the supermarket, or there's nothing joyous about cutting up sheets into rags. But there is definitely something celebratory about connecting with your neighbors. Would you agree with that?
1: I do. I mean, my example is my laundry basket, which is just your old fashioned plastic laundry basket, right? But every time I see it, I think of the person that gave it to me. And I have similar items all over my house. So for me, it's not looking at the item itself that brings the memory, but it's the person that gave it to me. Or even if I don't remember their name at this point, I can remember walking up to their doorstep and having a conversation with them. Hmm.
0: I know you have been volunteering with the Buy Nothing Project for years. Tell us a little bit about the roles that you've held and how your volunteer service within the project has impacted you.
1: Well, I started out, there were two groups in my city of greater Austin areas, you know, a million plus people. So there were two groups um, and I started the third one and that was pretty slow to get going, like getting the word out. It wasn't a well-known thing in the city that I live in. Um, and that really gave me a chance to connect and market it, um, Marketing, not in the traditional sense, but basically giving my stuff away and posting over and over and asking for things and being the change um, and kind of incentivizing people to do it. And then somebody needed help. <laughs> and of course, I was like, sure, I have time. I'm home with my kids. Um, so I started doing a regional role, which is no longer around, but it was kind of helping different states or countries in the case of countries to help the admins that were already existing to support them, to help them figure out when things went wrong in the group, what they could do. And then I decided to move into the development role, which is to help people start up new groups. So there didn't used to be quite this much process. But now we have a whole training program, which I helped to implement, which gives new admins all the tools that they need. So it's a Facebook group. You can do it at your own pace. You can take as long as you need to. There are nine modules. We share all of the information about how we have learned how to do things and give you recommendations. But at the end of the day, it's your group and your community and you get to make the decisions. And then eventually I joined the global team and that supports the founders in making decisions that affect all of the projects all around the world, all the groups all around the world. Um, So I've helped with development in Australia and Asia. Um, There's not too many in Latin America yet. And then there's a bunch in Europe. Um, So being able to connect And then we were finding that we needed resources in different languages, because if you're trying to start up a group in Spain and having all the resources in English doesn't work. So I started a language and accessibility team, which is totally volunteer run again. So it's me basically begging people um, who have the skills to translate, to translate um, our most needed resources into other languages. There's a recent equity team that got started too, uh, and that is to address the issues of privilege and systematic racism that exist in our country and all over the world. I think that's all the teams at this point. <laughs> that's that's a lot. You've worn so yeah. many hats. You just keep seeing things that need to be done. And it's a volunteer organization. So you're like, oh, I can do that. Let me you know, do that.
0: Mm. Well, the world needs more people like you who are willing to just step up when they see a need. You did mention privilege. And I When I think about gifting economies, I wonder whether there is a fundamental assumption of privilege there because by nature, in order to gift, you
1: must first have an abundance. What are your thoughts on that? I think there is definitely an aspect of privilege, but not necessarily in the way that the question was posed. I think it is privilege that The people who started the organization and a majority of the admins are white women. But at the same time, one of those white women who started the organization was not coming from a place of socioeconomic privilege. Part of the reason she started it is because she had an abundance of stuff that she was growing in her garden. And she did not have a, an abundance of money. And it made her feel really good to be able to give something to her neighbors, even if it was growing things in her garden. So I think that we we have an assumption that the pricier item has more value, whereas really everybody has something to give. It might be time. It might be knowledge. It might be gratitude. There are people in our groups that don't participate too much, but they follow along. And when they do participate, they post gratitude. And that gratitude is what keeps us going. It doesn't have to be somebody giving me something and expressing gratitude directly to me. It can be my neighbor giving my other neighbor something and saying, thank you for being a part of this community um, and sharing of what you have. So in the past year and a half, the founders have done a lot of work to try to, take away their voice in a way because as white women living in this time, this world, they shouldn't be the ones <laughs> telling us how communities should be run. It should be the members of our communities that are telling us how things should be run. Um, and we need more diverse voices in our admin base, in our groups. And so we're trying to figure out and get feedback from many different people about how we can support community members. And there have been admins that are racist, you know, either overtly or not overtly, and who are not letting people talk when those people try to bring the things up in groups. And we really don't want that to happen. We want everybody to have a voice in their community group.
0: It sounds to me as though one main point that you keep coming back to is that gifting economies is really about spreading love and spreading abundance whatever your abundance may be beyond your circle. I think that it is super important to create connections with your neighbors, but a lot of people don't realize that creating connections with your neighbors from a perspective that considers climate change that is super important because it strengthens your local community, it strengthens the local economy and strong Local communities make those communities more resilient to climate change. So one of the most frequent criticisms I hear when I talk on this podcast about buying secondhand, thrifting, accepting free items, I always have listeners write to me who say, but I like new stuff, right? old stuff is dirty or worn or this or that. And I hear it all the time. And I thank those listeners for writing and saying that because I guarantee you everybody on some level is thinking it. Nobody wants to say it out loud. So for those of you who have said that out loud, thank you. And I guess my question here at its most fundamental level is how can we bring those who are reluctant into the gifting economy in a society that is so focused on what's new and shiny and pristine?
1: I think there's two answers. One is you might gift a lot more than you receive. So maybe when your item isn't new and shiny anymore, and you want to buy the next new and shiny thing, you gift the old one away. And that could be a way that you start. For me, the old stuff has a story. So when somebody is giving me something, they're telling me about that this belonged to their grandmother or that their son learned to walk you know, using this walker. And so to me, the story actually adds value to the item. Some things I think... You can use again and again and again, you know, like antique furniture, right? Like that has value because it's been around for a while and it was way better made. And so some of the things that are being gifted are longer lasting than the things that you could go out and buy new today. It might not look the same. It might not be in a certain style. But I think that participating in a gifting community gradually changes your mindset because there's no other choice, (laughs) right? Like if you're gonna gift things to other people and then you're scrolling through the group and you're like, oh, look at that, that's kind of cute. And then you're like, oh, maybe I can upcycle it or do something with it. It might not even be that you want it in the form that it currently is. But just seeing so many people participating and getting stuff that might be close to new, maybe they got it and never used it and now they wanna give it away. So I think it's a process for all of us And I think the more that we hear other voices saying different things besides you have to buy stuff new, the more that normalizes it for all of us. So walk me
0: through the process. How does it work? I know you said that the group's on
1: Facebook. How do you join? You can look on the website. There's a find your group list, and it just lists everything by country and state, There's also a map, so you can type in your physical address, and it can pop up if there's a group in your area. Sometimes there's more than one group for the area that you live in, and then you can request to join. There are three questions when you request to join the Facebook group, and all of the admins... Would be very thankful if you would answer those three questions because when they try to message you, their message gets lost in the Facebook black hole of message requests. Um, so it's that simple, is you just can look online to find your group. You can also try going to Facebook and searching for your name in your town, but if you're in a very populated area, there might be a whole bunch of groups that you're not quite sure of what the boundaries are unless you look at the map.
0: And if there isn't a group in your area, like I've said before on the podcast, there's no buy nothing group that is convenient for me. The closest one is 30 minutes away. So could I start one
1: theoretically? Totally. (laughs) Um, So like I said, we do have admin training. So if you go to the website and go to start a group, at the very end of the explanation, there's a Google form and we ask you to fill out that form, which gives us your information. And then it'll give you a link to our admin training. So the admin training is in a Facebook group. It's nine modules. You can do it at your own pace. And in one of the modules, module eight, um, it gives you a list of the development team members to connect with. And that's the person that helps in your area to get your map set up, to name your group. And then they can also help you with creating the group. And then once you've created it, there is a lot of resources for you in terms of admin reminders, different ideas to grow the group. And then there's lots of support communities for other admins so that you can brainstorm with them or ask questions.
0: Okay. So let's assume a listener goes to the Buy Nothing Project website, finds their local chapter, joins the group. What can that listener expect as a member? How does it work when somebody posts something? Who gets it? Who doesn't? How do all those technical details work themselves out? (sighs) Yeah.
1: <sighs> So I think a lot of people, if you're used to being in buy-sell trade groups, are used to first-come, first-served. And our groups don't have to work that way. We want to give everybody a chance. So when you go to the group, you'll see people asking for things or you'll see people giving things. Some groups will use the word gift or ask at the beginning. You don't have to do that, but it helps kind of find things. And then people will comment and they might say, I would like that item because my son loves to play with water t- outside. And multiple people can comment. And then the person who is giving the item away gets to decide who they want to give it to. For me, it tends to be a random pick or somebody that I haven't gifted to before. Sometimes people ask for a joke or they'll pick by a number, like the number of people that commented. Uh, They can ask, you know, what's your favorite color or tell me something about yourself if they want to do it that way. So it's totally up to the person gifting the item to decide who receives it.
0: Wow. So so I'm just just comparing the Buy Nothing Project's rules with my local buy, sell, trade group. (laughs) And In my group, in my buy, sell, trade group, it is first come, first serve. You put it on the curb, you list your address, and the first person to pick it up gets it. But I really like how the Buy Nothing Project kind of gives everybody a chance, maybe people who aren't sitting on Facebook all day refreshing their feed. (laughs) That's a nice way to create stronger bonds,
1: right? Definitely. I mean, we discourage curb alerts because... If you're just giving people your address and saying there's something at your curb, I guarantee you there's going to be people coming to your house after it's been picked up. There's no interaction between you and the person who's giving the item if you're just picking it up off their curb. So we really are all about creating community through gifting stuff um, instead of just giving it away.
0: Hmm. You've inspired me in my free time to... (laughs) <laughs> look into <laughs> starting a chapter closer to my home. I'm just going to look into it. No promises, but I really love how, you know, in my group, you don't want to have interaction. It's anti-interaction. You put it on the curb specifically because you want it gone and you want somebody to take it, but you don't you don't want to have that conversation and maybe there's some some beauty to be had in a conversation. I would love to switch gears and have you talk about your latest endeavor. What are you doing and where can listeners learn more?
1: So in helping with the Buy Nothing Project, I realized that organization is how my mind works. Um, And I think that there is so many resources on the internet and amazing resources, podcasts and videos and blogs about sustainability and zero waste. But it is so overwhelming to try to find something that I wanted to create a resource, which is a one page guide It has a variety of formats, so there's always going to be written information, video information, and podcast information as much as I can get on the same topic. Podcasts are a little harder to find on certain topics than than other stuff. And so you can go and say, hey, I want to learn how to mend clothing. How can I do that? And I'll give you different resources to do that. You can say, I want to reduce food waste. You can go and get the PDF that talks about food waste. A lot of the information that we have, it doesn't always agree, (laughs) right? And so I've tried to curate the resources to give you a very short, you know, I I don't put a lot of 30-minute videos on there. Podcasts tend to be longer, but that's because we're doing something else at the same time. So it's really designed for moms who want to do this, but they don't have time to find the resources. Even trying to search for podcasts, most podcast sites don't have an easy searchable feature. So you can't go in and type in new clothes, you know, in a podcast, you have to just scroll through all of their episodes. Um, And so I've really tried to narrow it down and say like, you want to do X, here's resources that are going to help you do that as quickly as possible.
0: I love that idea because (laughs) how many of us have the time to not only seek out the resources, but then to actually implement the changes that we would like to implement, right? Like nobody had, I've never heard anybody in my entire life say they have too much free time or they're just so, you know, open, their schedules are so open, especially moms that is just not reality for so many of us. So I love that idea. Where can
1: listeners find you and find your resources? Um, So I have a website, which is mindfulmaterialist.world. I was thinking Mama Middleist and mindful materialist, like we've got all the ends covered. (laughs) Um, And so the guides are on there. Um, There are some free community resources. I am all about sharing gifting economy stuff and sharing community stuff. So there's free links on there. There's also a um, black sustainable individuals and organizations that I did last month as my contribution. Um, So I hope to, I'm definitely in the product development phase and continuing to create more and more PDFs on as many topics as I can get my hands on um, to help people out. Jennifer, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show.
0: For me, as somebody who does not have a Buy Nothing project nearby, this was such an enlightening conversation, and it really highlighted the importance of strengthening interpersonal bonds. So thank you so much.
1: It was a pleasure. Thank you.
0: I so hope you enjoyed that interview with Jennifer Lansdowne. I have gone ahead and linked to the Buy Nothing Project as well as Jennifer's website in this week's show notes, which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 133. On next week's show, we are discussing minimalist parenting strategies for minimalists and maximalists alike. I will see you then. Have an amazing week. And take care.